If I tell you what God is, we're missing it. So the thing is, we can sit where we are and we can point at God and I can tell you about it. The other thing we can do is we can orient from the divine. How does one do that? We're never not experiencing God. There's nothing that's not God. If you've never seen the ocean and somebody was like describing it to you, it sounds like utter and complete bullshit. Endless body of water that covers the entire planet and it's salty, but creatures live in it. And there's like giant squid creatures. It starts to sound a lot like when people describe God. It's the one and it's everywhere, but it's nowhere. If you've not experienced it, it absolutely does sound like complete fabrication. Let's start on a lighter note. I'm very curious to get your thoughts on what is the meaning of life? Light, right? <laughs> it's good. I mean, in some ways, it's the only question. And I think a lot of people forget that. Like they uh, do, uh, business in, in particular forgets to keep asking, what's it for? What's it for? Why? Um, but I want, so I, I mean, I can kind of brush into it like that, but I want to take a moment to really feel how to answer that from my heart now. For me, meaning is made up. We can make up any meaning we want to. And uh, just because meaning's empty and we can make up any meaning we want doesn't mean that making meaning can't be helpful. So one thing, I'm like, it's hard to say anything for sure, right? And I'm like, uh -huh. one thing that I know for sure is like love is real and and it's like worth it. I feel this in a super grounded way with like my babies. Like I've got a four month old and a two year old and like, but like, like in a very literal biological sense, the meaning of life is love. Like I am like, it, it's insane to be a parent these days. And it's like, I'm evangelical now. I'm like, everyone listening, you should eventually have kids because it's so fucking amazing. Like okay, nice. the love, the love is like, you know, um, yeah, so I think that's true, like on a real, a real biological level. And then I think more, more grandly, there's a sense in which like love is this erotic impulse of the universe, like arising into freshness or newness. And it's like the, the impulse or the force of the universe that has like, you know, stars explode and become accretion disks that become planets that eventually form life that continue to like make newness and like diversity emerge continuously over billions of years. I want to balance this out. What he said. <laughs> yeah, no, well, we're playing the polar we're playing the polarity game right now because he's taking the fullness route. So I want to also invite people into the emptiness of the meaninglessness of life. That's also really important to sit in. Is like, uh, what happens for us when we drop into, uh, when we drop into the emptiness of life not having any meaning? What happens when we're in the emptiness of life, the emptiness of meaninglessness. That's, that's, uh, I'm fully in on where you're headed. And I'm also fully in on being in the emptiness, nothingness of meaninglessness. And then, but if you, and meaning is made up, but if we're like, okay, nothing has meaning, why do anything? Why even be here? Don't you just get depressed and be like, well, nothing matters. You can. Nothing I mean, is real. It, uh, it's actually, in my judgment, that's actually a really important thing to sit in. Um, it's like a existential crisis of sorts. Um, and there's a, uh, in my experience, there's an other side of that. If you sit in that long enough, the nothing has any meaning, everything's empty, there's no point. Mm. That um, existential dread or existential uh, 
emptiness of that, it, it's really fruitful. It's really fruitful to stay in that and, and go deep into that. And there's actually uh, a through throughput or a release through on the other side in my experience. Yeah, I, I, I agree. There's a sense in which you have to, or I, I think there's like on the spiritual journey that people will talk about this kind of thing as a dark night of the soul mm. where, um, I mean, that's the Christian language for it. I, I don't actually know the kind of like Buddhist or Hindu language for it, but mm-hmm. there's, there's, it's a common thing in, in all the mystical paths where you, at some point you're like, I actually gave everything the meaning that it, it has for me. And, and I didn't actually do that consciously. I kind of just inherited it from like, essentially like random bullshit, self-organizing systems mm-hmm. that like we can call culture or genetics or whatever. But like, uh, I actually, I was, I mentioned, I was just reading, uh, Marcus Aurelius and he, he has a, a version of this where he's like, you know, um, he's like sheep's fur dyed with blood, not purple robes or like, you know, a, the penis rubs against something and semen comes out. He's like completely deconstructing. Like we, you make it this huge thing and it's like, nah, it's just like, f- like meaningless shit happening. And it's like from, from there, like if you can go through that and sit in it and like remove all of the stuff that you put onto it, you, you end up having this kind of, I, I think there is actually a radiance of the emptiness or a kind of love or a light that starts to shine through. Um, but, but basically you have this empty canvas and, and it, the question of like, why do anything kind of already assumes meaning. So you haven't mm-hmm. actually gone all the way through that, that hole yet. Like nihilism, like demands meaning to like define itself and push against. And so it, you're like, you haven't done the full deconstruction if you're nihilistic. Fair. And when you're on the other side, it's like, you can't, I don't know. I think that the actual lived experience of someone having done this is that, is that meaning kind of self generates. And it, and it self generates not from the self, it gen- self generates from yes, the divine. Yeah. Great. So this is divine, the universe, God, higher consciousness, higher self, all these words we use to try to describe what's beyond what we can see. So I would love both of your takes on what is beyond? What is this? What do we mean when we say God, universe? Why are there so many different words trying to describe the same thing? And at the end of the day, we don't really know. Or maybe you do. I don't know. I don't know about your journey. So curious. What's your take on what it, that, this is? I love it. This is why we're here. <laughs> What's the meaning of life? What's God? <laughs> Yeah, and there's some distinctions there because when you say what is this, that, the universe, God, these are actually different objects for me. So I would um, – yeah, so I first of all, I would say there's nothing that's not God. That's the first thing I would say. Um, what is God? Have you ever heard that the the – Dao that can be named is not the eternal Dao. Hearing for the first time. The name that can be named is not the eternal name. Yeah. So if I mm-hmm. tell you what God is, I'm not, uh, we're missing it. So the thing, so the thing is we can sit where we are and we can point at God and I can tell you about it. The other thing we can do is we can, uh, orient from the divine. Like we can actually take our consciousness to the source point and speak from the divine itself. 
And so maybe what we can do today is allow our source point to get closer and closer to the source, which all manifestation arises from and returns back to. And maybe, maybe we can talk about the divine, but we also might allow the divine to speak through us and to speak from the divine. I love that. And I, I will want to go into how does one do that? Though, before that, I want to hear your take. I love it. I love um, what you said. I mean, I can be like playfully in the, in the, I fully agree. And in the playful polarity, uh, like I want to say that almost like no experience is pointable by any sort of words. Like if you've never seen the ocean and somebody was like describing it to you, it sounds like utter and complete bullshit, (laughs) right? You're like, it's this endless body of water that covers the entire planet and it's salty, but creatures live in it. And there's like giant squid creatures, like HP Lovecraftian (laughs) creatures, but that's one of like billions of, what? No, you're, come on. It starts to sound a lot like when people describe God Mm. or like mystical experience, like, yeah, it's the one and it's everywhere, but it's nowhere. And like, you know, like it kind of sounds like describing the ocean. And if you've not experienced it, it absolutely does sound like complete fabrication. Yeah. Um, but but I think that's true of drinking water, of of sitting in a chair, of like the, the experience of being a 21st century person compared to a 10th century person. So from from that point of view, like I actually am very comfortable using like kind of mystical language to point to experiences and being like, yeah, like if you've had that experience, we can name it in ways that are actually shareable, just like anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want a super f- deep, read, look up integral semiotics where they directly talk about this type of thing, but um, only if you're incredibly nerdy Perfect. like me. <laughs> Putting the best resource in the show notes. Anything you want to share, any books that come up, we'll link everything in the show notes. I understand where you're coming from. So if you've never experienced it, it's like, it's it sounds made up, yeah. not real. People are just some people will say, well, yeah, you just need to believe in something because otherwise you will feel like life has no meaning and then you do like do nothing. I'm a doer, so I'll, I'll use that word a lot. But it's like, you know, because obviously there are people who do believe like there there is nothing. So how does one come to experience God, if we're going to use that word this time? How do you, what was, what has been your journey? And then how would you guide someone through it? Because yeah. I'm sure there is... 3,000 and two ways <laughs> to do this. Not Only 3,001. Three, three, yeah. <laughs> okay, let's start. Number we might one. emerge a new one. Get, I think you're on to something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and let's do it now. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah. inviting us to do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What are we doing right now? You totally lost me. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> We're going to come into the experience of God and having God okay. speak through us and as us. Although on the one hand, that's always already happening. On the other hand, it's a little, some weird extra thing happens when you are aware of it and like surrender into it more fully. Okay. Um, so yeah, where are we going to go with this? I, I, I almost just want to literally repeat what you just said and reiterate it, which is we're never not experiencing God. Like there's, I said it before, there's nothing that's not God. Um, so there's God experiencing God, talking about God, about what it would be like to experience God. And there's, and as what Jordan said, there's whether or not we're aware of it. And there's a certain um, like self-luminosity or self-generativeness or self, uh, 
something that happens when we start to actually not, and I'm not talking about a belief here. I'm not talking about a story. I'm talking about the actual uh, lived experience in this moment of like when the whole uh, uh, fabric of totality or when all of existence kind of self illuminates and you're like, Oh my God, you know, here it is. Like that's, it's, it's been, it's never not been here. This is it. Like this is the divine experiencing the divine uh, in this moment. Right. And, and that, um, yeah. So there's, there's the fact that it's always happening and there's whether or not we're aware of it, that is, uh, quite a noticeable difference in experience okay, in, my, so in my experience. For a practical girl like me, uh -huh. I'm yes. like, I want to experience that. Yes. Yes. Let's do it Let's now. Do it now. <laughs> Let's do it now. Okay. Let's so do it now. My bag is often like relational. That's, that's where my tricks come from mostly. So I say tricks playfully. Actually, they're very deep and useful things. But um, do you have an experience that you would call, like, do you have a memory or a, a way that you experience or have experienced this kind of a divine flow or a kind of overwhelming love or a self-transcendence? I think what I think is a bad word, actually, though, like, gut feeling or like intuition or whatever you want to call it. Like I trust, like that's why I'm here right now. That's why I'm in Austin, Texas. That's why we're in the studio. That's why I'm anywhere. Like I'm, I have conditioned myself a lot out of my mind in the last two years and being like, whatever. And again, whatever language I put on this, whatever I feel pulled to go, I shall go. And I would probably attribute that to, we call it God, universe, energy, whatever it is. So you have a gut calling that you yes. kind of learn to listen to. Okay. So, so the invitation is for you and any listener to, I, I'm kind of, we're building this on the fly, right? But is to kind of find a, a memory of God. And for some people, it might be the birth of a child or for other people, it might be like death is, can often do this where there's a, for others, maybe it's in sex. These are all common places for others. It's in nature where there's a kind of take your breath away the sense of of me as an individual being is kind of um, at best, or if it's there at all, it's kind of in the background. Mostly mm -hmm. there's just kind of a happening and there's an awe and there's a wonder quality to it. Maybe there's an emptiness quality, mm -hmm. almost like you're just witnessing it, right? So for you, you've got this feeling of like, you, there's a knowing in your belly, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and and in the what we're going to do is in the, we often think of a memory as if it's like something that happened in the past. But instead, what we're going to do here is is notice that you're you're actually aware of that right here and right now. It's the only way you can access the memory, right? So you can feel, you describe it, and you'll start to feel it in your gut. And the same way you would notice, um, like as soon as you put your attention on your your hand touching your dress, you kind of become more aware, and it becomes more yeah. salient. Yeah. So for the listeners, their hand touching their steering wheel if they're driving or their computer or whatever. Um, and so, yeah, you notice that, you notice that salience, you're going to notice the feeling of godliness um, that's already here in the memory and sink into the salience of it and allow yourself to kind of uh, let its unique features, no matter how small they are, even if the memory is ancient, like you were three years old and you like, can't quite remember it. You're like, okay, in that three-year-old memory, I kind of remember feeling like everything was okay and I was held and like everything you can remember, take it as a, as a dot, dot, dot. It's a box that you're opening. And like, what is it like to feel held? And, and you're asking it not then, but now, right now I'm remembering feeling held. What's that like? Well, it's like, everything is okay. 
What's everything? Is there anything that's not okay? And I look around and I'm like, the camera's okay. Your eyes are okay. There's nothing that's not okay. And that's happening right here and right now. Well, you could say we're in a space where everything is okay. What if we're in a war zone? What if we're in a different part of an event? We look out and we're like, that does not look okay. I like that you said we're in a space where everything feels okay. And I wanted to ask you, are are we in this space or is this space in us? Of course you're going to go there. <laughs> Expand. How, Expand how big? <laughs> as big as you feel called, Bill. No, sincerely though, is so this, this podcast studio that we're in, these microphones, this table, these couches, these plants are, 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 these inside of us or are we inside of this room? Well, if we're going to observe from the mind, we are in a room. Uh-huh. So guide myself, guide the listener through yeah. the perspective shift that you're trying to like paint here. I like what you said. If we're coming from the mind, then we're inside this room. And it's uh, coming from awareness, right? Like aware in, in my experience, awareness is looking in on reality. Awareness is looking yeah. in on uh, this room. Yeah. And that we can keep expanding that. Awareness is looking in on this room. Awareness is looking in on planet Earth. Awareness is looking in into the universe. And so are we the human beings, the characters who are in the space and time that's that, that uh, we identify ourselves as? Or are we the awareness that's looking in on reality? And what off, what can happen for some people is a really big shift in identity or a sense of who we are from being the people in the movie scene to being the awareness that's looking in on reality. And when you're saying we're the awareness, are you trying to paint the association we are God or a part of God? Because then what is, if we're not the characters in a movie, we zoom out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go. Who are we? That's a question for both of you. Who are we? <laughs> when you said yeah, when when Forrest's like yeah, we're awareness. You're like yeah, you have like a an ex- you're like yeah, I know that. Is that right? Or, or what was the yeah there? Well, sure. I mean, surely we're not our body in our mind. We're not our flesh. I mean, this is and even to bring this back to like a baby step of understanding this is purely to. I mean, you look at your arm, you're like, oh, yeah, well, I'm, I'm not really the flesh. Because you can witness your thoughts. You're not your thoughts. So then you have to be the awareness that's mm-hmm. maybe, first of all, you think is inside of your body, and then you can expand it out there. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, yeah, nice. Back to the question, though. Yeah. Who are we? Well, I also wanted, I didn't want to dodge the, um, the war question. I think that's mm. a, a good question. And... um. Because it's easy to dismiss and be like, oh, well, we're not here. So like, let's just, you know, like that's mm-hmm. just the mind because that's true. Mm-hmm. And there's something very important about that. Like if we're like in a kind of pointing out instruction type environment where like those kinds of questions are are basically irrelevant because they're not here and now. And that's like the pointing is to the here and now. But But on the other side, like if we were in a war zone, probably I wouldn't be talking about awareness, right? I would mm-hmm. be like, are you okay? Like, how do we stay safe? Or maybe I need to like 
shoot somebody. I don't know. Like, I don't know what, mm. what the scenario is. I don't know who I am. Like, I hope not. But, um, there's a sense in me of like, I, I, if we were in that situation, we do what we're called to do. And so if I'm with somebody who lives in Gaza or somebody who lives in Russia or whatever, like I'm, I'm going to be like attending to what needs to be attended to. If they're, if it's like medical, if it's psychological, if it's whatever, it's just like, it's showing up. And, and I think that's the answer. I don't know. I, I, I don't know how to say anything other than that. Like I'm showing up with love, with my heart open, with gratitude, with like acknowledgement, with like, I don't fucking understand. I don't think I ever could. I haven't been in that situation. Mm -hmm. If we want to talk about awareness, let's talk about it. If we want to deal with the facts on the ground, let's deal with the facts on the ground. Let me, I think a lot of people who don't believe there's anything beyond human beings will often use the the line that, well, hey, if there was God, if we are God, if there's something greater than us, there wouldn't be war, there wouldn't be bad things happening in the world. Because why, why would it be happening if there was something higher able to shift things and move things and make sure everyone lives in peace? So just would love your perspective on that because this is someone, let's say, who are like completely dismisses the possibility of there being something because like, come on, look at the world. Mm. Look like a freaking mess. Mm -hmm. So where is God in that or in you or in most people? I love, I love this because it really invites us into our creative power and it really invites us into, um, like I would, I would, I don't know if anybody else has ever had the experience of a war going on inside of you. Yeah. Uh, but that's certainly been my experience. I've had internal wars before. And so there's, you can have that on a personal level. Like I could have that on a, a forest level, you know, there's a, uh, civil war and inner conflict going on in my psyche or my body, different, uh, you know, it could be, uh, I often use the example of like, one part of me wants to go on a date. One part of me knows I need to study. And how are these different parts in relationship? Well, they might be beating, beating each other over the head with a club. Like that's, I've had that experience before of different aspects of, of the psyche, uh, at war with each other. And so when we zoom out and we hold, let's just say planet earth, in our perspective, what would it be like for us to become aware that there's a that there's a war going on inside of us? I'm not sure I'm fully getting the well how because we are talking about God, we're talking about love. That's yeah. where we started. Yeah. How are how is God creating that or how are we creating that if we are God? Yeah, there, this, exactly. So how place? are we creating that? That's a really powerful question. There's wars going on. How are we creating that? I like where you're going with that. Can you say more? When you say you like where I'm going with that, can you say more? Yeah, well, it's it's the if we are a part of God or a part of this greater consciousness, we are hmm, I would say the the other thing is like, hey, do we have a do we have access to God and we are a God, but do we also have our ego? Which is the mind who is deciding otherwise and deciding like this is how we're going to do things and like not even be tuned into the love or more divine power. And then you could make the argument of like, well, it's the human ego running certain decisions. So there is no love and there is no God in there. I, I think it's a, a legitimate answer. And, and some mystical traditions take that. Like a, there's A Course in Miracles is like, yeah, the whole thing is illusion in a dream and all there is is God. And so 
none of the world is real. Like there's no God in that. And that's the waking up is realizing there is no God here. All, all there is is God because here doesn't exist. But, and I, I kind of lean that direction with like metaphysically, but I think there's something I want to like, I want to challenge the question mm -hmm. because I think the question is like missing some important points. Like if in like, in fact, what happens with me when I'm coming from this place of like seeing everything with it as part of me and I see armed conflict in the world, I feel like heartbroken mm -hmm. and destroyed. And I like want the best for people. And like, that's the real answer to the question. Like, well, wait, the question is not, I don't think the question is really about God. It's about like, how are we supposed to deal with human suffering? Mm -hmm. And the answer is like, you fucking let your heart break open as much as you can allow yourself to feel it and, and no further because it's pointless after that. And then you get up and you do what you're called to do. That's your unique gift and service to do to the world. Let me, so let's say many people find God in church, um, meditation, breath work, God knows how, you know, other modalities. Some people experiment with substances to see beyond 3D. If you feel comfortable sharing whether you've been on those journeys and what, like how has that potentially expanded what, how you see the world or the universe or God right now? It's like, what, what happens for someone who hasn't been there, been on those trips, asking for a friend, which is myself. Because <laughs> 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 in Austin, Texas, I feel like on every quarter, people are like, oh, do you want to do this? And I was Jesus, like, Jesus, it's mm, a lot. I don't know. Do you want to do this like the psychedelics thing or yeah. do you want to do this like the church thing? Fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or both yeah. together. Or both together. Psychedelic church. Yeah. Yeah. I know a couple people starting those. Yeah. Yeah. Same. So let me just, I'll, the thing that I might contribute to start this question is that it was psychedelics, which I have done plenty of, uh, psychedelics are concrete substances that open up state experiences in consciousness. In my experience, we don't have to have the psychedelics to have the state, like they can really illuminate a new territory that speaking from my own experience, there are times I'm not sure I've talked about doing psychedelics on a podcast before. I'm just having a moment. Taking psychedelics opens up new territories and new states and consciousness that I previously was unaware of. And after having the experience of taking a psychedelic and it opening up something that I previously wasn't aware of, I personally have found part of the integration process is returning back to that field, into that territory, into that state, and deepening into it without the psychoactive chemicals to further flesh out the experience, yeah. stabilize it, and normalize it. Uh, so in that way, psychedelics can be really cool because they can help open up new worlds that then we realize we already have access to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so like psychedelics really haven't been part of my, a big part of my journey. Um, and I'm respectful to how much others have gotten from them. And like, they've been huge for some people I know. Um, but I actually kind of, I, I'm kind of take a more conservative stance in some ways. I think that they're like, they, 
I think they can open people who are in a particular like materialist worldview. It can be really helpful to like, but like if you're that, like to bust you out of that and be like, holy shit, like the world is more like vibey than I realized. Like there's like shit happening. that's not, and like, it's a, you know, there's a kind of like, I'll see it when I, I believe it when I see it. Sorry. I'll believe mm -hmm. it when I see it. Mm -hmm. And then you see it and you're like, okay, I believe it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think it's super helpful for busting people out of that. There's like maybe one or two other like developmental stuck points. I think people can get helped that I've seen people get busted out of. But for the most part, I have not seen extended psychedelic use ground anyone in a deeper spiritual experience. Um, I think it's really there. I know a few people that are doing a lot of work on this front to help people like say, do a mushroom trip and then do a long integration afterwards. Like you're talking about like, okay, so this is what you got. How do you get that without? I think that's a better way to approach it. But even then, uh, and I'm, I'm kind of leaning into the conservative stance here. Even then our culture doesn't have support for it. Even if you live in Austin or San Francisco, if you are in the Shapivo tribe and you're doing like you had this crazy ayahuasca trip, you can talk to your grandma about it because she had an ayahuasca journey and everyone has had an ayahuasca journey. There is like, you can talk about it for the rest of your life. If you do an ayahuasca trip in, in Austin, you can't necessarily talk to your grandma about it. And she, even if you did, she's probably not done it. So there's like a missing cultural support that like we may get later down decades down the future, but it's real. It makes it much harder to integrate the insights. And I, I kind of want to caution there's, we have a mutual friend or acquaintance, I guess for me, um, who has studied awakenings and he's pretty adamant that like weed sets people back, like people who were open and a kind of in an awakened state will close and maybe take years if they ever get that awakened Why state back. Why is that? Why is that? I don't know. I don't either. I, I've heard a lot of people who I experience as pretty open and saying that if they do cannabis, it feels like their consciousness shrinks. Um, it depends on where you are though. And, and I also, I really appreciate what, there's several things in what you're saying I really appreciate. First of all, uh, my experience of you that I, at least my projection onto you that, that I see myself is that you and I are going, okay, there's been a lot of expansion, a lot of awakening, a lot of uh, opening and how do we uh, function in this reality? Uh, post yeah. like late stage capitalist culture, like Austin, Texas, how do we move through the world from this place? And what I feel touched by and what you said is regardless of whether or not you do psychedelics, you can access some states of consciousness um, that most people aren't walking around the world experiencing reality from. And I've had some, like I went out in the jungle in Northern Thailand for several days without any psychedelics. And I had experiences that, were more profound than, than I ever had on psychedelics. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm talking about like reality breaking down in front of my eyes and not being able to blame that on psychedelics going mm -hmm. like, I have nothing to give this credit to except for just pure, raw, sober experience. So, um, yeah. what I feel a lot of care for and what you're saying is if you're doing psychedelics or you're accessing any of these states, uh, endogenously or without psychoactive chemicals, it's a, it's really challenging to integrate in our culture because most people, you know, there, there was a study done uh, that like 30, 30 plus percent of people who are homeless have gone through some kind of big awakening experience and haven't landed on the other side of it. Right. Like when you walk past a homeless person and they go, oh, I hear all these extraterrestrial voices and, and these beings in other dimensions are talking to me. Like 
that's a sincere experience. It's not a, we think our society doesn't get it, but it's actually mm. they're, in, they're interacting with beings in other dimensions of consciousness. And there's nobody to, there's no systems to hold that. There's no social fabrics or culture that understands what's going on. And so it's just like, okay, off to the loony bin and, and heavily, far, you know, heavily medicate that crazy person because we don't get it. And it's actually a total normal experience. It's just not common. And so it's, it's, that's, that's a lot of what inspires the way that forest shows up in the world is how do we emerge the institutions, the social fabrics, the cultures, the technologies and the ways of being that support this next iteration of consciousness that's coming online so that if people have a bunch of psychedelic use or if, so that if people have a big awakening experience and have a later, have a, uh, not like, again, a normal, but not so common experience of maybe awakening into being, uh, being a divine being. How does that, how do you still walk through reality from this place in a way that's functional, in a way that's useful, in a way that's generative, in a way where you experience greater degrees of well-being, wholeness, um, some sense of belonging maybe, mm -hmm. and like connection to other, other people and other beings in, in reality. That's, that's a huge pain point in the personal journey. And it's also a tremendous need in society right now in my, in my judgment. Mm -hmm. Okay. I want to stay here for a second because you both keep mentioning and bringing up the word integration. So help me understand why, let's say when you have zoomed out and you see you're a part of this God consciousness and I mean, the world is so much, or the universe, or whatever you want to call this, is so much more than you ever thought. Where, why do some people don't come through to the other side? Like, why do they, rather than feeling, oh my God, I'm freaking so, I'm powerful. Like, I am part of God. This is amazing. Like, where do you, why, and what happens when you don't, like, when you don't land there? Like, where where do people get stuck? Like, the meaninglessness of everything? Like, this is not real. This is freaking a simulation? Or, like, what happens there? <laughs> let me I love you, this question. Yeah, yeah, let me give you one example. Like, I've, I've coached a couple of people through basically, like, manic openings. What would be called, like, manic ideation or whatever. I, I don't know the right diagnoses, but, like, what happens is like the, the biggest thing that happens is, is basically mis I would say mistakes in the framework. So you, like you have this opening experience, you have to then like, in like, as long as we're living in a, in a body mind, we're like making meaning. Right. So like you have, you then have a framework of understanding that and the, and the framework can be really out of sync with, with the opening or with society. And like that, that jarringness like makes it really hard to like, carry on. So, so one guy, for example, I worked with was like, I'm Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you are the Christ, not Jesus. It's a very subtle distinction in some ways. And it's the entire world. All of us are the Christ. The, he woke into the true Buddha nature, right? Namaste, the light in me sees the light in you. Like mm -hmm. the Christ in me sees the Christ in you is what namaste means. Like that was real. And it was a genuine, like full bodied, like, and what happens is people would be like, dude, you're not Jesus Christ. And he would feel that they were saying like, you don't have the lived experience of like, of God's divine energy moving in you. And he was like, you obviously don't know me because I do. Mm -hmm. And if any of y'all have been on that energy, you know, it's like mm -hmm. crazy productive. It's a little outside of what's actually good, but like, it feels amazing for these kind of people to be on it. 
And so when you can validate that experience and say, yep, that's real, that energy is real, uh, a lot of the interpretations that you're saying are right on, but that little tweak, that's not right. Or another one was like, oh my God, I know how to, I know how to solve AI safety now. And I'm going to talk to, he was working for a company that does AI. Mm -hmm. And he was like, I'm going to tell the like CEO or whatever. And luckily me and his, his buddy were like, why don't you wait a few days, you know, before doing that. Um, and then later he was like, ah, okay, I see. Like I hadn't like in some sense he had, it was, there was a truth to the realization he had, but the interpretation that he would, had solved it. And now that they were going to save the world with this, whatever the interpretation was wrong. It was the mm -hmm. bad interpretation of a true lived epistemological rightness inside of him. So there's a nuance that people just don't get held in validated, honored. There is God. That is real. That is true. You are mm -hmm. feeling the yes. And that way you're going about it, that's not going to work. Another one, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm on the, a rash of stories, but- Roll it out. Another guy that I um, coached through this had just had a baby. And so, and he, and he was this kind of uh, manic kind of openness meant that he, he quit his job. Mm -hmm. And like his savings were running it out. His wife wasn't working. Mm -hmm. And he was like, I'm just trusting in God. Like the job's going to come whenever it comes. And I was like, Oh God, it was really tricky to like navigate, like validating that he was having a very deep awakening that was very true and saying, yep, yep, yep. Also, why don't you apply for some jobs? Like trust that energy. And when it moves you, it sounds like it's moving you here. You know, like it was just, a, it just took a tiny little tweak. It's like a keto, you know, to say like, oh yeah, that like, it, it, cause, cause it, it wasn't like me forcing anything. It was just like, he's like, oh yeah, I, I, like something like somebody invited him to a networking event and he's like, I don't need to go to the networking event because I trust that the job is going to come. And I'm like, Hmm, what do you think about if that networking event was the God telling you that that's where you're going to find the job? Mm. And he's like, Oh yeah, I hadn't seen that. And that's where he got the job. You know, that mm -hmm. kind of thing, which is a subtle tweak of the, of the interpretation of the manifest realm. Okay. So I, I spent, uh, the last time I lived in Austin a few years ago, there was maybe a eight month period where I was supporting people who were going through spiritual awakening on a, on a basically all day, everyday basis. I had my mm -hmm. zoom room and people were coming into my zoom room regularly, uh, having all kinds of experiences. So I, I have quite a bit of experience meeting people having very different kinds of experiences of awakening. And there can be, and you asked about what is it that people get stuck on? And it's a mm -hmm. lot of different things. It's a lot. Jordan spoke to some really good ones. Um, uh, one, you know, one of them waking up to being a divine being, and then this almost like, uh, uh, almost dissociation or, or like a bypassing of like, now that this has happened, uh, I don't need to engage with reality. So let's mm -hmm. say, let's say we go in to interface with reality. Let's say we go out to interface with the divine. There's a real bias towards being out and there's a bypassing of what's going on on the end right? Like the body's deteriorating. My bills are overdue. I don't have a job, et cetera. I'm just going to hang out out here in the divine and not deal with any of that stuff and everything's going to be perfect. That's bypassing, right? So that can be one thing. Uh, I'm getting five. So maybe I'll hit five. One is bypassing. Two is having no infrastructure of support. And actually what happens is when you have an awakening this profound, this, the system that you were in previously can try really hard to pull you back into where you were before, you know, you go Same like, more? well, you, I mean, you go, you, you're in a system, you're in a company, you're in a family, you're in a community, whatever. 
and you go, oh my God, I had this, you know, I did mushrooms or ayahuasca, or I did this meditation this mm -hmm. weekend. I was just walking down the street and this experience came upon me where I realized nothing's not God. Every, you know, everything is divine. I'm a part of that. Like, you know, I'm this divine being. People go, whoa, 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 whoa. No, wait a second. Like, no, no, no. You're a software developer. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like you're, you're not, you're, no, 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 no. Come here, come here. Come, like, I don't know. Do you, do you, have you like been taking some, oh, you did mushrooms? Like, yeah, like, no, no, no. That was the drugs. Like you need to yeah. come back down, blah, blah, blah. And so you don't have people who can meet you in that. You don't have people who can hold you and who can who can validate your experience and help you integrate it to really help you land in it. So that can be a second one. The third one is trauma. And I'll just use myself as an example for this. I had a massive experience in my mid twenties of realizing like, holy crap, every, all the stories I've been living in, all the subtle material, everything is, I've just been making up this whole time. Like Jordan mentioned, I'm not, I haven't been aware of it. I've been manufacturing all of this. And then at the same time, I hadn't really done much trauma work and I had quite a bit of trauma. And so there's this weird jankiness of nothing's real, but that trauma feels very real and there's mm -hmm. lots of energy stuck in the body, but that's not real. And so you're in this sort of like deconstructing everything, but the trauma is still happening. And that can be like this just tumultuous process of there's... I, I define trauma as residue or residual. Like when mm -hmm. a when a when a moment happens that's too much for us to experience in the moment it's happening, there's like this residue, this leftover experience that's still playing out in the current moment. And so there's like, okay, nothing's not real, but the past is still playing out in my experience and the system's all janked up. So there's there's often times with people you have a big awakening and you gotta sort of deal with the consequences of that, right? Like you have a big awakening and illumination, you become aware, you're aware. And then it's like, there's still this human system and, and subtle energy body and psychic body and things that uh, can need different kinds of support. And again, we don't have social fabrics or institutions or places. I mean, where do you, where do you go on planet earth right now to get support with your psychic body? Right. It's just like, I mean, a couple of people, right. A couple you have your people and Jordan has his people. I make up and I have my people. And so mm -hmm. you, and so you need to do this, but we kind of do it in our own way. It's mm -hmm. not like you call up your, uh, well, and there, there are companies emerging now that are meeting this need. But again, we're on the very new frontier mm -hmm. of having, you know, I'm going to call my healthcare company and they're going to say, oh, you're feeling a tummy ache. Yeah, actually, that sounds like your energy body's acting up again instead of prescribing you whatever, right? Yeah. So, so now we've got bypassing, we've got no community of support, we've got trauma. Then we just have the pure deconstruction of your life. A lot of people go, nothing's real. They quit their job, they divorce their spouse, they sell their house, and they go, I want to live out in mother nature and experience waterfalls all day and just basically take off and go out into the wilderness. Very common impulse, honestly, when you start deconstructing everything. I don't want to go work in corporate America. I don't want to be married. This is like being in prison. Like, you know, I have kids, but that's not real either. And you just literally deconstruct your entire life and your entire story. And, and that, that guy Forrest isn't even real anyway. So no, 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 no. And so then you, then you do that. So just deconstruction, deconstruction, deconstruction into a place where you can really get yourself in trouble. Like, um, I meet a ton of people who have absolutely no money, have racked up a bunch of debt. There's nothing holding, holding them. And again, there, there is also paradoxically or simultaneously a concrete reality that we're interfacing with. And so you can end up homeless or institutionalized or, without um, 
your basic needs being met because you've taken apart yourself and taken apart your life so much. Um, and number five is I would say, uh, I guess just make, I'm literally making these up in real time, but number five would be continuing to chase the peak experience. So if you're, let's say you go down to, uh, and I've, and I've just met so many people who've done this, but you go down to Peru and you do ayahuasca and then you don't have the integration container that Jordan and I have been talking about. How do you come back? How do you, when you have a peak experience like that, how do you reintegrate into society? You don't do that. And then you go, oh, so, I mean, this is very common. You go and have a big psychedelic experience or you have some big meditation retreat and you have a peak experience and then you mm -hmm. go back to your life and you go, well, fuck this. I don't mm -hmm. want to, I don't want to work at McDonald's or wherever, you know, like I don't want to sit in a corporate office all day and work for some stupid corporation. No, 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 no. I'm just going to go back to Peru and do more ayahuasca. Mm -hmm. And then you have this thing where you can really get yourself in trouble because you're continuing to peak out on psychoactive chemicals with no integration. And you build up this, um, like I oftentimes use the metaphor of like you're, you're a browser with too many tabs open and you keep doing psychedelics, which is opening more and more and more and more and more tabs. Mm -hmm. And it's just like your color wheel is just spinning in your being and you get like, uh, 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 like just literally stuck. And you need, you need a, a, a care. You need somebody who can sit down with you and who can be with you in the present moment. Like call up the relatefulness, call up Jordan and his mm -hmm. team. If you're, if you're, if you're someone who's having these kind of experiences and be around people who can be present with you. Be around with people who can really sit with you, who can really listen with you, feel like uh, attuned to you, right? I feel you feeling me. I see you seeing me. We can harmonize our systems. And, and in doing that, sync up more computers to the browser that's spinning with too many tabs open mm -hmm. and start to close some of these and dissolve some of the pent upness so that we can, so that we can um, be more available for the moment. So those are like five random buckets people can fall into. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So like I, I came out with a conservative position and and kind of on purpose lean into that edge of like mm. kind of also like in kind of in contradistinction to this, like, yeah, in Austin, it's like every, everyone I know is like opening a ketamine clinic or like opening a psychedelic church or ayahuasca temple or something. Mm. And um, so I, I, I want to share that like, Hey, there's, there's, some problems down this route. And I don't think it offers a lot of what it promises, mm. but I also want to come back again and say, like, you know, I, I don't dissuade anyone from these experiences. Like you, you have to, I think the way to go about this is to listen to the call. So I have done ayahuasca a, over a decade ago. I have tried, um, a couple different things and I basically listen like to where, there's a, is like, eventually there's a yes in my body mind system. That's like, yep, now is the time to go do this. Mm -hmm. And like, would I do ayahuasca again? Maybe I'm not a no, I, I mm. can't imagine it. I didn't get that much from it the first time. Mm -hmm. Um, but I will know when I know I'm a no until I'm a yes. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and my body mind moment, God system will tell me. And that's, that's what I would recommend for people is to really listen and don't get like, listen to your, your intuition, your daimon, like don't get caught up in the fervor of like, oh, this person's doing it. And they had this amazing, like whatever experience someone else had on psychedelics is definitely not going to be the experience that you have. Yeah. So like, you got to listen and you, and you don't go until there's like a full blooded yes in your body. 
And and whoever uh, is offering you psychedelics or any transformational experience for that matter, my opinion is I have this thing I call the farmer's market rule, which is when I go to the farmer's market to buy food, I look at the food and I also look at yes. the person selling the food and I go, do I want to look like this person who's selling the food to me? <laughs> and the same thing with transformational experiences, including psychedelics. Look at the person who's offering you the experience and go, do I want to be more like this person? Mm. If it's a coaching program, if it's a psychedelic experience, if it's anything, a retreat or whatever, mm. look at the person and go, do I want to be more like the person? Are they embodying who I, who I want to be like, you know? And, and I, that's a good litmus test. Cause sometimes you see people pushing different experiences, psychedelics included. And if you look at it, you go, maybe, maybe I do want to be more like this. Maybe I don't. Mm-hmm. And that's a good litmus test in my judgment. I like that a lot. And honestly, hearing all this, this is starting to sound messy. It's like we, it's like at the beginning, yeah, I mean, imagine you realize you're part of this God consciousness, whatever we choose to call it, uh, label it. And then you're saying that the big chance of that, the moment you realize that is that you just don't even know how to operate in 3D anymore. <laughs> and to be fair, I've been curious about this because, um, I mean, I asked Boris this a couple of days ago. I was like, help me understand because again, I'm a doer. So help me understand why when someone realizes. Okay, well, the first thing is that I'm a doer. Yes. Uh, that, that's, so I'm coming from my lens, and that's why. Well, what? Wait, where does your laughter come from? Oh, I'm just, I'm just seeing the uh, Vindy's point of view and, and, and really enjoying the hilarity of like, <laughs> yep, I, I, can, I can really see the, totally. that, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. the messiness. And the, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go through this big awakening experience so I can be totally dysfunctional. And <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, well, okay. So now I'm back on the the conservative p- poll where I'm like, this is why I do like, this is why I recommend meditation, relatefulness, like body work. Like it is so, it's so rare for people to do like, it, yeah, if you, if you go and you're like, hey, I'm going to do a 30 day retreat and I've never meditated before. Sure. You can have some fucked up openings. But like, or or even some people have bad experiences with Vipassana retreats. But again, it's like you're doing a 10-day retreat all day, every day, and you've never meditated before. Like, if you go into a, a regular transformative practice at a, like, kind of regular, normal pace, this won't happen to you. This, this is the main, I think one of the main issues with psychedelics is they, like, rip the, like, grounding out from us. Mm-hmm. And then it's really hard to integrate. If you're like my, I've meditated basically an hour a day, every day since um, almost 20 years now, 19 years. So I started really, really early. And so my, I've had some wild experiences in meditation, in being relatable, in just walking in the woods, in all, I've had wild experiences in every possible way, in a, in a train, like what, like all over, um, and, and they were like stepped a little bit every, you know, over 20 years. And so this helps me be like super grounded and super integrated. And I can run a company from this way Yeah. because like, uh, yeah, I just went slowly. I agree with everything you said a hundred percent. And at the same time, I can't fathom awakening, not being messy. <laughs> Honestly, I I feel like that's something yeah. to embrace. I mean, I agree with everything you said 100% about the pace, about overdoing it, about psychedelics, blowing everything up. And 
for me, messiness is a part of the dance. It it is a messy process. I, I've that's inspiring to hear you. I don't know if I've ever heard anyone who's had a that that seems to be a more clean or we should really be taking notes from Jordan in yeah. terms of having <laughs> a more stable. Yeah, for you, trying to yeah, five yeah, steps. Yeah. I was like, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Well, it's there's a lot of buckets <laughs> to fall in, and the messiness can be really beautiful. Um, and so, generative. And generative. Totally generative. I love the messiness and it can be incredibly disorienting. So how how do we be in the messiness? This uh there's for me personally, like on a personal note, it is more fun to be functional in reality. I can imagine being a little bit more mm, ungrounded or sort of uh, I get the image of like being out in the deep end and you're flailing and like, <gasps> I've had this experience a lot of like, tr- you know, being out in the deep end of the ocean, trying to just sort of like keep your head above water. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's really fun to still be able to to interface with reality, to be able to communicate with other human beings, uh, to have a healthy body, to be able to walk through the universe and and create projects and play games and uh, you know, dance in different ways. Like that's a more dynamic, robust experience for me than just mm-hmm. being on the meditation pillow all day or being out, um, you know, in a psychedelic journey kind of things. Although I do probably spend these days at least two or three hours just lying around, letting my consciousness traverse different territories of experience, which is what most people are doing when they're on psychedelics. So I give like create probably two or three hours a day to have Psychedel- I mean, I, what what people would have experiences on psychedelics, I have every day without psychedelics, just letting my consciousness take off and explore different territories of, of awareness of, and and things too. So it's there's a way to ground that as well, which is once you let go enough or once your awareness can sort of explore the universe or different different depths without needing a chemical substance, then it's like, yeah, there's space. There's space and time. There's space and time for that, too, which is kind of a funny thing to say. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and adding to that, like the practical side of it. So I have a four month old, like I said, and a, and a toddler. So you might be like, well, how how could you possibly, you know, if you're working a job and have kids, like spend that much time just kind of roaming around in consciousness? Mm-hmm. And um, when it's a priority, you find ways. So like I was telling you the other day. I put my son to bed. I do the, the nighttime routine with him every, he, he's a two-year-old every night. And um, I lay there with him and we he falls asleep. And sometimes it takes 20 minutes. Sometimes it takes an hour and I'm just hanging out. I'm not thinking. And, and I felt that temptation when I first started doing this, I would, I'll bring my phone and look at it under a, under a blanket so it doesn't keep him awake or whatever. And now I just sit there and it's so fun. I, I look forward to it. I look forward to like having my son rest on my, on my arm while I sometimes drift asleep, sometimes I'm thinking about stuff, imagining projects. Sometimes I'm just being, sometimes doing nothing. Sometimes I'm meditating. There's a whole range of like inner exploration. It's just total freedom. And it fits in the busy schedule of like actually helping my son go to sleep. So people will find it. And I encourage people to like find the way that works for you. The reason I was prefacing the being the human doing, not as much human being (laughs) for myself was because from my lens, what I I was expecting, and again, expectation, but you know, shouldn't be expecting certain things though. It's like once you realize you're that and it and a part of all that, like how are people not coming back and 
building and creating and like, you know, creating projects, amazing companies, like mm-hmm. solving world's problems. Like that's what, and again, expectation, that's what would be my expectation, like as a calling for someone. And I know I'm already, again, I'm totally coming from my own lens because I just love, I love, that's who I am, creating and building and whatever unfolds. And that's why this is the question I think I asked for a couple of yeah days ago. I was like, how do you, you know, like you now know you're a part of God and now you're just going to freaking sit on a sofa and do nothing. Like, I don't get it. So I'm like, yeah. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> yeah, there's like, so there's, so there's uh, mile markers on this or there's stages or like, uh, in my experience, there's kind of patterns of information. So one is when you have the big awakening experience, it's kind of like being a baby. Uh, you're like, holy crap, I'm not anything I ever thought I was. And mm-hmm. now I'm this like soft, subtle thing. I don't even know the edges of what, like, what, what am I exactly? Where do I start? Where do I mm-hmm. end? Like, it's, it's a different kind of thing. And so typically... Like I imagine on a societal level or a cultural level, there will be these um, homes. Crashes. Yeah, exactly. Where you go and you can be midwifed through this process. Like um, I called them uh, transition centers on my website. If you go to my website, you can click on transition centers. I hosted uh, several calls about this where you could go and get support with shadow work, energy work, have your basic needs met, you know, blanket Food, food on the table, this kind of thing, and just mm-hmm. regulate your nervous system, integrate your experience. And there are people who can uh, support you through that because they've gone through it themselves. Like yeah. to me, that's something that's it'll be the yeah. the Airbnb of awakening, right? That that these places like that. will will exist, and that's um, you know coming live to a theater near you, right? Uh, so that's phase one, and then and then typically after. We do sort of ground in the groundless or become more stable in in uh, in instability, I guess. Um, then then they're comfortable often in discomfort. Comfort and discomfort. No, yeah, exactly. Like there starts to be quite a bit of force that comes online. There's like that pure life force energy, that eros that you were speaking of, that uh, God consciousness starts to come through a being with quite a bit of intensity. And this is where you get a lot of the. Uh, I am Jesus Christ thing that you were mm-hmm. talking about. I'm a divine being. I'm. You can get a real intense savior complex, real intense mm-hmm. Messiah thing. Like I need to save the world. All this is happening in me. I'm here to, you know, I'm here to do what Jesus did kind of thing. Like that mm-hmm. can really come online intensely and people can sort of like re-enter reality with quite a bit of uh, momentum or quite a bit of force. And it's like, okay, let's do all this stuff. And um uh, it's kind of like I used to when I used to the metaphor of like it's like floating down the river because you're in flow, but you also have a rocket ship on your back. That's the <laughs> <laughs> that's the metaphor I would use. And uh, and so this looks like uh, basically imagine the energy of an entrepreneur who's building a company, mm-hmm. but you're doing it from a transpersonal place. So you're you're not just building a company; you are uh, supporting collective awakening, or you are reinventing planetary systems, or you're here to see the awakening of all beings. Right? Like in Buddhism, you go off into the jungle, into society. You drop the idea of everything you've always been to become the awakened one, the Buddha. And mm-hmm. the stage beyond the Buddha is the Bodhisattva, who comes back into society, knowing the truth, but from a different place, which is to be of service to the whole. So that's, you do get basically an entrepreneur of awakening. You get a, uh, embodied agent of transformational, uh, God consciousness that moves through reality. And then, and then, uh, 
I, I kind of want to pause there, but the, but the thing that can happen after that, that's, um, that does happen is like a real shift towards simplicity, which is like, once that kind of chills out, Mm. Um, and you sort of like burn through all that energy, there's like a, well, maybe I do just want to sit on the couch and enjoy the nothing, the nothingness of life or the simplicity of life. Like maybe life is just about having a cup of coffee or, um, looking out at the ocean or playing around a golf or, um, being with my newborn kids and laughing and like, maybe, maybe like, maybe the mystical is in the mundane. Maybe the magic is in the, the total normalcy of things. And we don't need to save the world because the world's already perfect. There's like this overwhelming sense of perfection and there's like, nothing's, nothing's not as it should be. And like, you know, we, we can tend to things in a way where maybe they become wholeness becomes more whole or beauty becomes more beautiful or perfection becomes more perfect, but there's not like this, um, need to fix anything because everything's already perfect the way it is. I, I don't think we have a very good understanding of what like waking up or awakening or being one with God actually means or is. Um, we're, we're getting a better understanding, I think, but like, it, yeah, like it's hardly anyone's actually even looked at it really cross-culturally. Like mostly you go into like one tradition and you go really deep. Right. So, um, I really like the integral framework that Ken Wilber kind of wake up, grow up, clean up, show up. These are all independent dimensions. There's different theories about this, but I, I think it's really good. So the idea of like waking up to like, holy shit, we're all one. This is all nothing. That's all love radiating as itself everywhere, you know, self-seen like, or just happening isness that's in the waking up category. And it just has nothing to do with your shadow, um, which is cleaning up. So you can be totally awake and be totally messy as hell on the human form, which makes sense when you, when you recognize what awakening is like, okay, it's all a video game. Um, I can do whatever the fuck I want. Who cares? Right. Mm. The, the biggest exemplar of this is Adi Da has like all sorts of crazy stories of crazy shadow, but was a, 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 by all accounts, like transmitting a wild awakeness. Um, then you also have like this kind of psychological maturity. So you have not just like the Christian crusaders, you also have like, you know, Buddhists releasing sarin gas on the subway. You have like, there's this Zen Warhawks, a book that chronicles all the Zen. There's like, you can be awake and still go to war mm -hmm. because you come from a traditional black and white consciousness of like, we have to kill all the not us. Mm -hmm. uh, and you can be awake and be rational. You know, I think Sam Harris kind of embodies this perspective and makes a case for it. Like, let's be very rational and objective and also like use these technologies from Buddhism to wake up. Um, and you can keep going, you can be pluralistic and, and you can be, um, more metamodern or, or integral or whatever, you know, there's, there's these stages of development that are completely, and you can be not awake and have this stage development. Mm -hmm. And so this kind of keeps going. And I, and part of what you're asking, I think, is like, because we, uh, another way to say it is like, render unto Caesar what's Caesar's and unto God what's God's. I don't know if you know this classic Jesus quote, where basically some Pharisees are trying to trap Jesus because they think he's going to um, say something that lets them imprison him and kill him or whatever. Mm. And so they're like, well, you, you say that everything is God, basically. Does that mean you shouldn't pay taxes? And he's like, mm. no, man, 
pay your taxes because that's has to do with the world of form. You know, if you if you're hungry, eat. Right. That's what render unto Caesar what Caesar's means. Pay your taxes, and then render unto gods with gods. Everything else is of God. Like it's it's the God awakening has nothing to do with the world of form. Absolutely nothing. In its truest, fullest expression, like that that's the disappearance of the universe the disappearance of this is recognizing all the stuff is fake so it, it has nothing to do with the fakeness and then anything can happen out there and you when you're rooted in source or as as force like say i love that phrase i'm using that more when you're rooted in source it doesn't matter and you've got all these beautiful stories of like whoever you know some farmer was arrested by the nazis in world war ii and they like you know you need to sign on to the nazi cause and he's like no nope. I don't need to. And they were like, we'll let you out of prison. All you gotta do is sign this document. He's like, I'm free, man. Cause I haven't sold my soul to the devil. And you guys are not free, even though you're not in this prison cell. Like that's the God consciousness, you know? Um, so, so the, so once you're in that, what you do at, at your best, I think the stage that we're, what we're trying to, I think what we're trying to facilitate is like awaken to that. And then you do what's yours to do. Like, I think this is my metaphysics. Like all of us are here called into something. And it kind of matches up again with these like ancient Stoic ideas. Like a tree is here and it produces nuts and it, and it has shade. Like a squirrel goes and grabs the nuts. Like a Vindeed makes podcasts, at least for now. You know, a, a Jordan talks, at least for now. Hopefully he shuts up in a second. <laughs> Yeah, we we call it uh, uh, the choiceless path. It's like, who are you when you just are? I mean, when when you when you really connect to the natural, evolutionary, organic unfolding of Forrest or Vindy or Jordan, who does that person become when they're when you let go of the de when you decondition all the ideas of who we're supposed to be, and mm -hmm. when you work through the traumas and resolve all those, and you really connect to that innateness and that organicness that is the essence of who we all are right? That divinity that's manifesting in a unique expression called that plant or uh, that podcast microphone or that Vindy or that Jordan or that forest, how does it, how does it um, unfold and manifest into form? And, and that's, we call it the choiceless path because it's, it's just happening. And, and then you get hip to it. And it's like, oh, there's this generative wave of unfolding happening and, and we're a part of that. And so is everything else. And you can have this kind of universal experience of we're all we're all in this together i've been singing high school musical lately right. <laughs> and the result of of feeling that choiceless path is a sense of uh, like a, a phenomenological sense of like the world is aligning itself in crazy synchronicity for me mm -hmm. because you're 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 not resisting anymore and you'll notice like the, there's a doing that feels like hard mm -hmm. and there's a doing that feels like flow and and the doing that feels like flow could be hard work. Like mm -hmm. maybe you're building a house and you work 12 hours, but it f it's like fucking enlivening. And maybe you're do you work for an hour doing something that's not in your flow path and it feels awful and it feels like days. So there's a, in some way that that's my answer to a manifestation question. It's yeah. like real manifestation is the choiceless path. Like there's, you're walking into manifestation mm. because that's, that's the road that's set out for you and there's no resistance. Mm -hmm. And I want to double click on what you said about the kind of saving the world mentality, because there's some idea that we have 
that we, a lot of us have that we can know what's good for anyone, much less the world. And it's a kind of a crazy arrogance when you, when you step back and look at it from like a systems view or a Gaia view or a planetary view, you're like, what the fuck? Like, I mean, look at, look at Facebook who really, I think thought they were doing something good. And then now like, is the world actually better for Facebook? I mean, we know there was all sorts of election tampering in the U S much less like other countries, you know, like, I don't know. I, I, I don't really know. And so like, who knows, maybe, maybe your job, maybe our job is to have this conversation, our whole lives is to have this conversation that someone else is going to listen to, that they're going to tell their friend who's going to make the decisive difference in the future of the planet. We will never know. We don't get to know. Mm. And maybe the rest of our lives is coasting. We did it, guys. So now we just get to enjoy it. I really want to touch upon, uh, as you said, the story, you know, like, hey, I'm in prison, but I haven't sold my soul to the devil. So now we're going into polarity. If there's just God, if there's just love, what's this good and bad, mm. God and devil? What's happening there? Can you speak uh, yeah, on that? I, I noticed quite a bit of vulnerability saying this. So, um, and I'm just going to do it. Uh, one time I took mushrooms in Bali and I had uh, the lived experience. I'm not talking about imagined. I'm not talking about thinking about it. I'm talking about the embodied lived experience of being born as, born as and living the entire life trajectory of Hitler. And I realized in this, you know, basically the devil, from the devil to Jesus, it's available to all of us. Anything any human beings ever done, we're capable of. We could be Hitler, we can be Mother Teresa, we can be everything in between. And uh, yeah, it's it's a full field. Like we, the the devil and the Jesus, then Jesus are both in all of us. We have the access to the full spectrum. We can do anything, anything that any human being has ever done, we can do because we're human. And so for me, there's an embracing of that full spectrum. And then from this place, we can truly ask ourselves, what do we want to create? Then the question is, is that, I mean, objectively, we'll say bad, war is bad. Killing people is bad. There's so many things that are bad. But if, if it's all one. What happens for me in this moment here in the question is, I just wonder what function the war is serving. Mm. And then the war being a, t a strategy or a tool that's mm. serving that end. Mm. What other functions could we use to serve that core need? What other functions could we serve to realize that end? What are the other methods available? What are the other means available to the end? And that's where we have an opportunity for, like from a functional consciousness perspective or from a uh, functionality perspective, what other what other tools or games or resources or strategies or opportunities do we have to meet the needs that the war is serving? I imagine if we held it like that, we could come up with some creative uh, substitutes and upgrades for mm. war. Mm -hmm. mm. Totally. Like we have football in yeah. America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Football. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Sports. Yeah. Yeah. And like uh, MMA. MMA or like collective grieving containers. 
I mean, we have hundreds of thousands of years of human history that's been pretty traumatic. So like, how does humanity go to therapy? And like, how does humanity receive atonement or forgiveness for how we've Mm -hmm. treated each other for hundreds of thousands of years, right? Like that's probably a container. Um, In that polarity spirit, I always want to, whenever we mention this kind of collective grieving, I also want to like balance it with collective celebration. Like totally, we've made it through hundreds of thousands of years and we've built some incredible stuff and we've loved the shit out of each other. Like it's like, we're wildly (laughs) like gorgeous along with like awful yeah right <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah like i want to bring more of our celebrating ourselves too we, we we really need that in in the west especially we've got a lot of like guilt and like yeah we got a lot of treadmills right like on the work treadmill you're just doing things and doing things and doing things with no celebration in the like healing world or the trauma world or the processing world you're just healing and healing and processing and processing and never celebrating and it's like you know, we're probably due for some global dance parties. We're due for some fiestas on a planetary scale. Well, if you feel called to create those, step into your dream to create those, love, participate. <laughs> that, that I'm in for. Yeah. We might need a team bigger than the three of us, but I'm count me in. Yeah. Don't Let's underestimate do the three of us. Yeah, That's well, all I'm the going doer, to say. So I'm, I'm the looking doer. At you. Yeah, great. <laughs> Where do I buy my ticket, Vindy? <laughs> I don't, don't, doesn't feel like my idea, but you know, I can, I'm sure I can facilitate people and send people your way. Yeah. Good. Okay. Yeah. Well, if you can send one my way who can run the whole thing, then we might get it done. I'll well, just even another Vendy, I'll think about it. Yeah. yeah. I know another one. <laughs> okay. So. Hmm. So we're going to go back to looking at your identity as a doer. Yeah. That's what we're doing. Yeah. We are. Yeah. Okay. What, uh, so, cause it seems like, it seems like there's something beautiful, right? Like this is who you are. You're like, I, I do stuff. And there's also seems like some sort of trap there. Does hmm. it feel that way to you? I think, and I'm gonna bring human design here just for a second. And also I want to preface is just a concept that gives language around some of these things we're talking about. Though in human design, there's just, again, different types, me being manifesting generator. What it basically means I have just a lot of energy and you have your sacral defined in human design. So you have access to that life force energy and you are here to do though. You need to learn. And I'm actually meeting up with Barbara after this whole session. That's where, how I go into human design. And she studied this for 22 years. She's freaking epic. Um, we have that on the podcast, by the way, if anyone wants to check it out, <laughs> a little marketing more, link, there. more links for the show notes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. And, um, I think what I have learned through it, where it has been helpful for me, is like as long as, like the doing needs to come from the gut, from that response of like this is where you need to go, this is your, where you need to build, uh-huh and your like uh-uh. that's where, yeah, exactly. But, but it has been super helpful because I can go with force. Because you would say people that are MGs and generators, like you have the energy to do. So even like I, I can create from force. It just like all the resistance, which I will. I can persevere through, but then what you create in the end, you're like, what was all this for? It's just mm-hmm. like the wrong path. So the way you end up on the wrong path can be more from, you created from your mind. The ego said you should do this because it's going to be good for a business. The ego said you should take on that client or whatever, right? So for me, that has been more playing around with like tuning in, like, why am I doing this? It's like the gut said, like, I don't, okay, I don't need to know where like the big why yet is going to unfold, but like, is this the right path or did the mind just spin up a story? Because even like last year, I hosted a 
like basically one day marketing event, interviewed 15 people back to back, like a big live stream. And it came together seamlessly, like within two weeks, reached out to Amanda, a friend of mine here. She introduced me to so many people who I really needed to meet. And it just like, it was in flow and it was epic and people received it so well. And it was just like, and I was probably like sleeping four or five hours. It didn't matter. I was just so excited. I was Mm -hmm. like, I can, don't like, I don't need sleep. So when you're in flow generators, like you don't like, I can run, (laughs) I'm running on energy. So whatever I'm accessing. And then my mind was a couple of like two months later, I was like, I need to create this because it was so successful, because this is going to grow my email list, because yada, yada, yada. So this was all from the mind. And yeah. I, when I was trying to put it together the second time, it was, oh my God, what a freaking drag. People exactly were canceling. We were and I was yeah. like, no, this has never happened to me before, which is probably good because for the most part, I have more tapped into the flow. But I was like, this is so freaking odd. Like this is just nothing is flowing. Mm. And this is where my conversations with Barbara helped because I was really sticking into the... The reason, I, even though it didn't feel right in the gut, I, I was struggling to let go of the event because I had made a promise to myself. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm like, you keep your own word. So that's like my, don't break your own promises. Cause I mean, there's a lot to say of you, you lose confidence in yourself. So I was like sticking to that and being like, even though, even though I'm forcing this, like, I'm like, really don't want to break my own word. So I was kind of battling that until I released it. And that was great. <laughs> the best thing I could have done. And then the natural thing, like the natural new project just unfolded. Though mm-hmm. so that's where I'm a doer and I'm like, I believe I'm designed that way. My main thing is just like making sure I focus that energy on what is in flow and what needs to come about. Like starting this podcast has been the easiest thing in the world. Mm-hmm. Like so easy, so in flow. Like I feel like I'm not doing anything, even if I'm writing all the email copy and putting it on YouTube and making sure we have 3,000 shorts after this, like doing all the things. It's so in flow. I tried to start a podcast a year ago because I had the idea. The podcast would be great for marketing. So yeah, Mm. I have, I have, uh, I'm a very practical person. (laughs) I'm so struck by what you just said. Like, can I just reflect some of that back? I heard you say, I tried to start a podcast Mm -hmm. a year ago. That really struck me. I felt right here in my chest, Mm -hmm. the trying, Mm -hmm. and I heard the strategy, grow my email list, grow my marketing. And then I heard you talk about doing the podcast now and how it's effortless and how you're doing things all the time, but you said, I don't feel like I'm doing anything. I'm so struck by that. It resonates so deeply for me. I, 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 as you're aware, you came the other night when I interviewed Jordan, Mm. I I have a podcast as well. Mm. I tried to start a podcast for about 10 years Uh and at some point the podcast just happened and it feels like the most effortless thing I've ever done. Mm. Um, so I feel super connected to you as you're sharing. And I also, um, am highlighting it because there's something really here in what we've all been talking about and exploring today, which is what's it like to do when it doesn't feel like doing What's it like to create when you don't feel like you're trying, when it feels effortless, when it's inflow? And I'm really hearing that and feeling you speaking from that as you're transmitting your experience around around this right now. So I just want to like, yeah, name that and and share impact. Yeah, thank you. And I mean, I I actually shot two episodes a year ago. Like I started Mm -hmm. it because I was going to, if I said I'm going to do the thing. Yeah, I love the (laughs) gesture. I love the slamming the hand into the thing. Yeah. Yeah. This is my force this, energy. <laughs> this is my what? My force energy. Oh, force, force. <laughs> yeah, force. force. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Podcast is gonna happen. Yeah. yeah. And then I shot that and I was like, 
it's not a time. Yeah, it's not a time. It's a miracle, though, in what you're for me and what you're saying. Because every time I'm in this, like, it has to happen now. Energy. It's like there's no better sign for me that it's not happening right now <laughs> than that. I mean, <laughs> it's so vulnerable to like listen and stay with. Okay, it's not gonna go. Like, I I'm in one of those right now where there's like a thing that needs to happen that's just the timing's not right and it's just okay 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 i'm kind of mm-hmm. like almost like there's a prayer that's like god please can it, the thing happen and <laughs> and i'm like i know it's not up to me and so i keep listening and i'm like ready to pounce when when the message comes mm. I, I i feel super connected to you and that i'm in this right now too like i I spent a good part of this morning basically negotiating with God, like, please, yeah. please. Yeah. You know, it's like like the kicking and screaming in the process of surrender, you know? Yeah. It's just like throwing, it's literally like throwing a temper tantrum while you settle into acceptance. I do that. Like, <laughs> please. I talked to a priest who told me he had knocked down drag outs with God. <laughs> That's that like, a good one. Yeah. Yeah. That is so good. I like that gesture too. Like you throw your hands up. <laughs> and and the temper tantrum is important in a way. I mean, you, it's like that energy's got to move in some point. Like, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. Got to give room for the, the self, the ego. Like totally. the. Totally. Yeah. Can I bring this now? Cause we started with like business and consciousness and yeah. spent a lot of time of exploring that. Now we're landing onto the I know you've been side. asking such light questions. Come on, give us something. <laughs> yeah. We're getting there. <laughs> I have all day. we're all in business and this is where this is probably my inner struggle as well of Hmm. yes the flow when the timing is right and at the same time objectively knowing that sometimes just things need to get done things need doing someone has to get them done and if you actually want to build a thing and make sure it happens whatever it's like the thing he's doing, and there's a timeline. So like the balancing of the two, I'm like what we're talking about is great. So just like, I have this inspiration now to maybe start this thing. I have this idea for whatever it is, company, podcast, whatever you're unfolding, hiring a team. But there will be inevitably many things you don't want to do in the business that need doing. Don't feel like it though. What are you, what are we actually suggesting for people right now? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, no, nah, I'll cruise. Whatever. You're hiring someone like your your team member is like, Jordan, I don't feel like doing this thing. I deal with that all the time because I <laughs> I super encourage people to actually listen to their heart and their gut. And one of the uh one of the things is that a lot of shit just doesn't actually need to get done. And it's it's weird and confusing and hard as an organization to like come into alignment of like what actually has to get done and what doesn't. Um, and, and you have to develop an organizational ability to like welcome and dance with uncertainty and like messiness. So people come into our systems sometimes, like we'll hire someone new and like, and they're like, oh, we really need to clean up X, Y, Z. And I'm like, go for it. Uh, like, I don't know, our base camp, like the documents are all out of order and they're like, ah, it'd be so much easier. And I'm like, yep. If you think it's a worth your time, we'll pay you for it. And then when they're like given that freedom and that autonomy, then they think about how much money we have. And they're like, oh, actually that doesn't need to be done because it's just not worth it. Mm-hmm. And there's just a ton of shit that's like that. So like 
there's a, there's a, it's, it's hard. It's uh, the best um, resource for this is reinventing organizations. This book that talks about like a, a different, different way of doing organizations with a bunch of grounded examples. I recommend that. And they've got a wiki with even more examples that you can, it's free online. The books pay what you want or whatever. So it's, mm -hmm. it's great. There's a podcast, everything. Um, and it's, it's like grounded examples of organizations that have been around for decades, like doing this kind of business practice. There are things where you have to do them and you don't want to do them. And it's like shadow work. So one of these for me recently, like in my new company, um, one of my roles is like getting lawyers to like create contracts and I need to send the contracts to people. Mm. And I can feel like it's like not the sexy, exciting work, but somebody's got to do it. And I am the somebody that's going to do that. Um, and I can tell, I don't know exactly. I wish I could give people a better sense, but probably everyone can start to sense in themselves. They don't need that instruction from me about like the difference of like, is this a gut? Like now is not the time for it. And actually this is not my responsibility. I should delegate it or just let it go. Mm -hmm. Or is this like a shadow issue that I need to work on. And what I came to in working on these contracts, I came to two interesting conclusions. One was like, I came to love contracts. I'm so grateful for lawyers and legalese, which just sounds weird, but I'm like, holy shit, this demands a like radical amount of clarity that I normally don't hold me and my team accountable to. And I'm really glad we're holding each other accountable to this clarity now because we're having hard conversations as a result. Mm -hmm. So I started to love legal contracts. I'm, I still haven't fully gotten there, but um, I'm, I'm like 90% there. The other was that there was um, one and a half contracts that um, could, were like all the other, all the contracts, once I like did them, were so crazy in the flow. Like I made offers, boom, done. One and a half were not. It was back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And both of them, the, the half is that um, there's a guy that one of the contracts was right. And there was another thing that accidentally got in there that was wrong. Mm -hmm. And so the, the resistance was showing me like, that is not the right deal. We need to not do that deal with that person. Yeah. I had this today. Yeah. Like I was onboarding somebody and I was like, thought what we were doing was onboarding them as an appointment setter and a closer. And there was all this resistance. And then it was like, oh, this person's just doing appointment setting right now. Like maybe they're going to also close later. And it was just like, and then it instantaneously gave way and we had the appointment setter agreement. And it's like, so there's this, what I hear in you that I orient to too, is there's this listening to reality or listening to the feedback of the universe. Like when yeah. things, when things aren't uh, thanks for the boom. I like that. <laughs> when, the, when, when things aren't working, there's date, there's data in that there's wisdom in that there's information. Mm -hmm. in that. So you're, yeah. so there's, um, and then discerning like Jordan's talking about, is that my own shadow? Um, is that life showing me like, Hey, this isn't the path of least resistance. Like you're trying to force something here. Is this coming from ego? The other thing that I've recently really developed quite a bit of space for is in like innocence and like, um, you know, you, when you go to the gym, you don't start lifting 300 pounds the first day. You, mm -hmm. you lift 10 pounds and then you lift 20. But like we're running organizations doing things that people have never done before. So every single day touching into tasks and challenges and things that there's just no precedent for. 
And it's like, mm-hmm. that's not shadow. And that's not fighting the universe. That's a struggle of just, I've never lifted this much weight to keep the gym analogy, or uh, mm-hmm. we're just touching into territories of experience that are just new for human beings in general, <laughs> like doing things this way. And that's that's another kind of hard. That's another kind of like, this is challenging. This is difficult. Is just like playing out on the frontier, playing out on playing out on the edge of emergence at the speed at which emergence is emerging or even faster, you know, even being beyond that leading edge and midwifing new potentials into being, it's like, how do we do this? I don't know. I'm out there swimming in the deep end, discovering it in every moment. This is crazy and it's hard and I'm getting my butt kicked and I wouldn't trade it for anything. Mm -hmm. Like I love it. I couldn't fathom doing anything else, but it's really, really hard, like really hard. See, I can understand us stepping into our own why is there resistance? Is the timing off? Different project? Should I give it to someone else? How about when we do have a team and we're like, okay, this is feeling like I'm feeling that this needs to be created. This isn't flow for me. This shall happen. Like I'm connected with God. This is the right path. And you're giving it to your team member whose support you need and they're not feeling it. So my question here is like, they're not who's right connection? For you. Okay. For that. Okay. Like, I, I do not want people doing work that they're not passionate about. Same, same. Retweet. Boom. Okay, so what thing. would you do? What would you do? So you, you, that's your employee. So this this happened to me recently. Um, I have my... I'm, I'm trying to think how many details I want to give. Um, okay, so I have somebody that does, like, um, bookkeeping, and I mm-hmm. deeply trust her. She's done it for many years for me. She has access to all my accounts, like, mm-hmm. can move money around, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, with my new company, I was like, well, this is convenient. Let's have her do the same thing for us. And, and we even have more money. We can pay her a little more. Mm-hmm. Um, she started getting kind of put into the role of she's now doing payroll and having to do like weird payroll taxes in like California and Washington, which have like wildly annoying regulations. And I talked to her on the phone. She's like, I don't want to be doing this. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I don't want you doing it then. And, um, and she was like, but we got to get it done. I'm like, okay, so why don't we talk to, there's another guy who's, you know, kind of related. We can ask for advice. And if he can't figure it out, if the two of you can't figure it out after a phone call, we'll hire somebody else to do that job and you'll just keep doing the bookkeeping. So she reached out to that guy and he just solved it. And he loves that kind of work. Mm. So there's just no resistance to the feedback. She's not the right person for it. I have tried to keep people in positions where they're not the right person for it instead of firing them or instead of being like, it's bad for everyone. Mm -hmm. They're unhappy and I'm unhappy. I love, I love what you're sharing here. And I love the come from of there's such a welcoming that I feel in when you're sharing. And it's, I had this with another team member this morning who got frustrated with me and I, it was almost taking a moment to just be like, thank you. Thank you so much for having the courage to express that you're frustrated with me mm-hmm. and share this because this is like really helpful information that we need for this, the system needs, right? So there's a big gesture of like welcoming and wholeness and like whatever experience you're having is precious and needed and full of information. And there's like a gesture of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, which I really get as I'm hearing you, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then exactly. there's a, and I love what you shared. Like, I don't want you doing something you don't want to be doing. And 
there's nuances to this, right? Yes. Like, like if somebody's having a shadow crash, right? You need a different. I could talk about what that means. Yeah, but can you can you can we expand on that because you both mentioned it? Shadow crash. Yeah. What are we What are we referring to? I mean, let's say uh, Jordan and I are working together, and Jordan comes up to me and says, "Hey, Forrest, we need to pay our taxes today," and I start. Uh, throwing a temper tantrum, or maybe I like fall on the ground and start sucking my thumb in the fetal position. Like I've literally crashed down into being a newborn baby. Um, that'd be so great. You want to be great? Right. See, see, you almost can't take us seriously. Like, but it's like, it's like, uh, you know, being like, that's not fair, man. Like, well, like, it's like, I've literally dropped down into being a six year old and that's clearly a, a crash. That's a regression that I didn't intentionally do. It's like something happened, I got triggered, mm -hmm. and now I'm operating out of a younger self or an earlier mm -hmm. stage of consciousness, a, a, a less resourced field, like however you want to describe it. Uh, and so that's something, this is, we haven't talked about this at all, but shadow awareness in, I mean, I know you're shadow aware, I'm shadow aware. Uh, <laughs> I say that, of course, shadow, shadow <laughs> that's kind of hilarious. Shadow it's literally, like a contradiction it's a there. contradiction. I'm shadow aware. That's so funny. Oh my gosh. I want to enjoy that for a second. Shadow literally means the unconscious. So we're aware we're not aware. We're mm -hmm. aware that there's aspects playing out. Infinitely forever. Infinitely forever. Every one of us, Jordan, me, you, all of us have shadow. There's things that we're not conscious to that are playing out in our experience. We will never get rid of we'll it. Never, yeah, exactly. We'll it's never like get rid of house. it. All. Totally. You always have to keep cleaning. And and we are, uh, in my opinion, in my I make up that we're way, way, way more shadow than we are aware. Like we're there's so much more going on that we're not conscious of yet. But we already know that now. Like obviously, subconscious is running all of us. Exactly. For the most part. Right. So that's not like a we thing. <laughs> It, well, it's like in, uh, what is it, like 90, 98% of the universe is dark matter. Like we don't yeah, even know. Exactly. We don't know what we don't know, right? It's like there's there's what we know, there's what we know we don't know, and then there's what we don't know we don't know. That yeah. that pie chart, if you've yeah. seen it. Yeah. 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 But we often act as if we do. And I, I mean that in including me. Yeah, me? of course. No, I'm just I'm playing. <laughs> it's, it's wild. <laughs> and it's confusing because like I've gone in the other direction too, that the the feedback I've been getting recently is um, I went a little too hard into a kind of humility and wasn't kind of standing in a, in a certain authority that I need to stand in, in, in a certain role that I'm playing. Um, because I'm like, well, shit, I, I mean, what do I know? I'm always, I'm full of so many shadows that like, but so is everyone else. And so mm -hmm. there's like a, a dance there. Um, yeah. Which another thing, uh, this is, I'm jumping into a whole nother category, but Let's like go. one of, one of the cool things about running businesses this, this way, the, the, the academic term for this is deliberately developmental organization. And there's a great recommended book called an everyone culture by Robert Keegan, who's this developmental researcher. Uh, and here the idea is that your, your culture as an organization is intentionally trying to help people basically integrate these shadows and become more mature. Uh, in, in not just like learning new skills, but in the way you make sense of everything. Yeah. Um, and even the way you make sense of making sense. Yeah. So this is the beautiful thing about like these, like one of the things that I think we do is like, the, yeah, if you, why well, I'm like, wow, that'd be so amazing if you fell on the floor and started sucking your thumb is like, damn, there's a lot of potential there. Like 
the shadow. I would be like, get the fuck up. Oh. <laughs> Work oh. to be done. <laughs> but you're, you know. There's a place for that's that. That's probably better. <laughs> no, there, there, there is a place for that, right? Like it depends on the job. It depends on the timing. It depends on the context. Maybe we're like at a conference where we're like, we need to make this sale. And it's like, I, and they're acting out in a way that, that is like, no, you need to fucking get up and do the job. Yeah. That occasionally that happens. But more often than not, what what I, the culture I have created in, in our companies, um, I don't know who the R is there because we don't have a company together. I, I don't. That's okay. I, I say we when I refer to myself all the time. It's, okay, I mean, great. You know, yeah, my ego, like my a, soul, me and my soul. It's definitely more than just I. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's because the, the company's our, our and our, like they're, they're distributed ecosystems that I'm a part of that mm-hmm. they're mine, but they're ours, you know, like the whole ecosystems. So anyway, um, this is classic interrupting ourselves with noticing the words we said and being like, hmm. <laughs> I actually need to self edit right now. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so like, uh, you know, the, the story I have with, I might've shared the other day that it's this so beautiful in this regard. It's like the, um, with this, with my new startup with Uptrust, we recently had a, a new developer we had hired. There's a new developer we were hiring and um, the CTO and him and then and another guy who's been a mentor of his, we hired both of them. And they're sitting there hacking and and the CTO says like, hey man, you need to like take care of this or do this or whatever. Or like, would you, maybe it wasn't that, it was, would you do this? And the new hire was kind of like, oh, I don't think it's a good idea, but I, I guess I should do it because, you know, the CTO told me, you know, and his mentor kind of caught him and was like, wait a second, like what's going on here? This is, that's not the way we do things here. Mm. And he was like, what? And he's like, his mentor was like, why don't you try telling the CTO to go fuck himself? Uh, and the, the, the new guy's like, oh. And, he's, and then the CTO's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sorry. And so you, the guy's like, yeah, go fuck yourself. And he just started breaking down into tears because it was such a release of like, oh my God, I can do that. And that's true. And that's real. And he was so received. And they were like, we broke down into tears. It's a beautiful moment. And a few minutes later, boop, back to hacking. I feel almost compelled to name the others because we're talking about context specific things, which is like the challenge is you can spin out into this organizational shadow where people are using the workplace as a context to do healing work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you want that to be sort of a byproduct or a consequence of being in the organization, but not the purpose of the organization itself. Amen. And it's so important. It's so important because in some of these you start creating a company, I'll speak for myself, the way I do, and then you hire people who have big hearts and big consciousnesses and who also might need to do a lot of healing work. And I've really had been on a learning journey of like, yeah. this is not therapy. Mm-hmm. You need to have your own personal network of your psychotherapist and your friends and your energy worker and all your people who you do that stuff with because we actually do have stuff to get done here. And hopefully, or at least sewn into the intention of this is it is a space for healing where we can do things like like Jordan just named. And we do do these things all the time. And, um, you know, they're, like you said, get the fuck up off the ground. Maybe we say it like that. Maybe we don't. Maybe we go like, okay, you know, uh, Forrest is having a shadow crash right now. What are we going to do while that's happening? Uh, and it's in certain moments that can be something that's celebrated and welcomed in, in, in the right, in the right moment. And in some moments it's like, Hey, this is like a, this is just not okay. Like this is not, this is, it's okay, but it's not, it doesn't work. It's Mm -hmm. not working here. This doesn't work for me as a leader. It doesn't work for me as a team member, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, 
so there's some distinction there, some subtlety, some nuance of like uh, creating organizations where people heal being in the field. And that's not explicitly the reason why we're gathering together, you know. I'm so glad you mentioned that. I have I have been and even run an organization that did that made this mistake. And it's um it's very painful because everyone's there um motivated by this purpose, this shared mission of like wanting to do something beautiful in the world. These are the kind of people that we attract. And we sit there not doing it because of our shadow, basically, because we keep going into this like personal or even interpersonal like processing. Um, and it's, it's like almost, you can feel the potential being like frittered away on like healing. And it's just, it's not what, uh, it's not what I do that for. It's not what I do. I'm, I'm motivated by like the, um, art of that we're creating, whether the art is like a product or whatever. It's like, there's a beauty or a goodness or truth in the world that we're out here making and, yeah, you can go too far into focus on that and never actually live the goodness moment to moment, but you can also go too far the other way. Mm-hmm. And you and I were talking about this recently, just in a one-on-one call we have, we were talking about the post healing life where yeah. it's like, you know, let's say, let's say there's a stage where you're in corporate America or you're in kind of the modernity, you could say like the, the consensus reality of some kind. And then you have this, uh, you know, midlife crisis, or you have a big, uh, awakening, you do some meditation that really shakes you. you, you do a psychedelic experience or something, whatever it is, but you have a transition and you start really getting curious about your inner world and doing therapy and, and meditations and these kind of things. And, and that becomes your new foregrounded passion. Like it's not so much your job. Mm-hmm. It's like, Oh, I'm doing these other things. I'm really passionate about that. Um, And then, I mean, for me personally, there was probably three or four years of my life in my 20s where my life was about healing. It was Mm -hmm. about shadow work. It was about trauma work. It was about working through all the things that I hadn't processed in my past. And that's what I wanted to do. I mean, if I had a job, I would want to go in there and develop intimacy with other people through my pain points, right? And then there's like on the other side of that, what we've been calling the post-healing life, which is that foregrounded activity then gets backgrounded on the back burner. Like we said, we're still all doing it all the time. Like we still, we always have shadow work to stuff, little, uh, traumas, maybe not a capital T trauma, maybe a capital T trauma, but little sub traumas come up, things that need processing or little rifts that need working out, but it's not the main thing. The main thing now is this generative creative flow and passion mm-hmm. for bringing more beauty and goodness and, and truth into the world. And that's the foregrounded thing. And that's, that's where I feel like we're leaning into with these organizations is we're in the, we're like, it's like a post-healing organization where it's a field that holds a healing tone. It holds a healing frequency, a whole, a collective resonance field that is healing, just sitting in, in space, right? Like people could come sit in this room right now while we're recording this podcast and might have some pretty profound healing experiences just hanging out here because it's in the transmission. And the point of this conversation is we're articulating, leaning into what's possible for an organization of the future. We're, we're, uh, sort of around talking about what's possible for this on a planetary system. What would it be like to have an economy that functions this way? What is a deliberately, we've been talking about deliberately developmental organizations. What does a deliberately developmental society look like? What does a deliberately developmental planet look like? What's the next iteration of social fabrics? Like we're talking about planetary systems, planetary cultures, the next iteration of humanity on a global scale. What's that going to look like? 
Um, and so obviously within that, you have context for people to do healing work. You have context for people to do processing, but it's like a breakout room, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. From To use a Zoom metaphor, it's a breakout room. It's, it's not going to hijack the ship. So basically making space for that, making sure it doesn't take over because, you know, because if it gets messy in a company level, you can get like on a global level, it could get messy as well. If everyone's totally. just like, oh, I'm just floating around doing the thing and referencing what I pointed there, what I would say to Forrest, yeah. if I saw that, that's more of a re- reflection of what I would say to myself, right? Because I'm like, where you get stuff done? Well, Stop and doing the, the thing. And there's, well, there's, there's a prioritization. What's really happening here is a prioritization. It's going, hey, like maybe you and I have a riff or Jordan and I have a riff. And it's going, okay, I acknowledge we have a riff. Right now my mm. priority is finishing my taxes or right now yeah. my priority is being in celebration or whatever it is. And like, I, I hear you, I acknowledge you. This is important to me too. That doesn't mean I'm going to like stop what I'm doing and address it right in this moment. Mm. Or maybe I do. Maybe yeah. it's like we actually need to stop what we're doing and address this right now and then return to the other thing. So where is this event in your list of priorities? If you can, you can put it in the frame of maturity and it makes it makes a real intuitive sense. Like obviously it's more mature to like not go into every little thing that's happening in you when you're upset or whatever. Um, and even if that means you never go into it, obviously it's more mature than that to be able to go into it with consciousness. And obviously it's more mature than that to also be able to not go into it. So there's a kind of increasing maturity or capacity. Yeah. And, and it's a little bit, the reason I, I speak to this more is because it's a little bit of the shadow of our, of the leading edge of a lot of culture right now is people get in romantic relationship for the purpose of healing and processing. People mm. go to want to work in an organization for the purpose of healing and processing and things. And it's like, um, it's really important to have the freedom to, to, to not do that, to not be on the treadmill yeah. of processing and healing all the time. Um, I've been calling it the trauma mindset. So I, we talk about going beyond trauma mindset because the trauma mindset, you, you'll notice this is the first time I've said the word in the whole conversation. It's like most of the time we just don't need it. We can say everything that we're talking about without referencing because there's this whole bag of like, oh, now I need to see everything through the lens of healing and recovery. And like, it's all bad and oppression and there's victims everywhere and we got to save them. And like, there's like, like, nah, man, we can also like, yeah, I mean, yes, yes, man. Yes, that's true. Of course. But it's like one of thousands of truths that are coexisting and Mm co-arising. Practical, my loves. Uh If I'm sure entrepreneurs listening are like, yeah, I can see the benefit. And yeah, I have, I'm building things. I feel called to create X, Y, and Z in the world. And I just cannot, I don't know how much space I can hold for too much trauma, too many temper tantrums when just sounds messy is what comes to me. Sounds messy. So on a very micro practical level, if someone wanted to experiment with you know, they don't want to be totally like totalitarian in their companies. And this is what you do. And there's no emotions. And you like, you know, which is also not a great company. Great talent is going to want to be a part of anyways. Mm-hmm. So it's like, what are like micro things you can start implementing without like losing yourself in all the emotional, the trauma, the shadow, the everything, the meaning or lack of meaning of life? Like, what are small things? Because otherwise people are going to be like, ah, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't want to like lose everything I built up until this point just to like facilitate, you know, a software workplace. 
Yeah, I mean, please, like, I, the, my first thing is like, please don't do that. Like, don't give up your business to be a, like, if you're a facilitator, you're a facilitator. If you're an executive, you're an executive. I think that we're mm. playing some weird uh, blend of facilitator mm-hmm. executive that requires a lot of almost like carefulness in a way of like, which context are we in right now? Because, yeah. um, a lot of discernment. A lot of discernment. And it's, and it's, you know, when I, you end up, I, I don't know about you, but I end up coaching a lot of the people who come to work with me. And so it's mm-hmm. like, okay, when are we, you have context complexity. Mm-hmm. When are you my sales rep? Mm-hmm. When are you my coaching client? When mm-hmm. are you my friend? Right. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. and that's challenging because you have totally different dynamics in these mm-hmm. different relational fields. Um, so I would say that my simple, super practical answer is if you want to, if you want to have a more healing workspace to take on your own evolutionary journey and your own journey, so you can emanate more of a loving, unconditionally loving, uh, radiant presence, which is so healing. Mm -hmm. You just, who you be, right. Who you be in relationship with people. That's the most practical, most practical advice I would give is just take on your own thing and just be, be the change you want to see in the world. Right. A little cheesy, but I like it. <laughs> it's not, it's not my quote. So I'll let you I know, I know. judge uh, Gandhi. I think is who you're judging is cheesy. Reviewing the judgment, just overused online. We know this. I would say this, the like small micro things would be something like time containers Time and context containers. Totally. Really small. So you could say, for example, uh, like, first of all, you, you can learn to build them into a moment where you say, okay, oh, it looks like you're upset. Let's do a two-minute rant. Totally. Mm. We literally set a timer. I'm not going to judge you for the next two minutes. Let's rant, you know? Okay. Um, another, but, but actually what you probably want to do is build in something more systemic, like Hey, we're going to do at the, every Friday for five minutes in the morning, we're going to do a gratitude and just say mm-hmm. stuff you're grateful for. Mm. This can backfire. And the way it backfires is that you demand that people do it the way you want them to do mm. it. I've heard of this, somebody in an organization, they were like, when they said, I'm grateful for coffee, they were like getting shamed for it. And like, cause it wasn't deep enough or something. Yeah. Let people be grateful for coffee. That's a fucking yeah. great thing to be grateful for. Yeah. I'm grateful I love for coffee. coffee. Yeah. yeah. Coffee's awesome. So yeah, whatever. I'm, gra- I'm grateful that I don't have to answer this question anymore. <laughs> great. Cool. That's a good thing to be grateful for. Yeah. Moving on, you know? So, um, gratitude is a good one. It's a safe one. And, uh, it's, you know, it's a, it's vulnerable, but not too vulnerable. Five minute container starting every meeting with, um, you know, if you're, if you're in a kind of context where there's like a, if there's a religious orientation, you're probably already starting with like, um, a meditation or a prayer or something like that. You can do that in a non-religious secular way, just by saying, we're going to have a moment of, um, inner reflection, 20 seconds of inner reflection before every meeting. That will change meetings wildly, just 20 seconds. So there's a ton of little like micro acupuncture points. So you want to start Mm -hmm. playing with this, do that. Um, If you want to go bigger, then you can do talking pairs. You give either uh, actually do like a round robin or you you say, give people 30 minutes to to do uh, every other week. One person talks and the other listens and they're paid for this half hour where it's, they're not, it's not therapy. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's just talking and listening. Active listening it takes very little training to learn how to do. Mm-hmm. Um, it, so there's just a ton of little interventions like that. Like take little things, a little chunk of time, and and something like that. It goes a long way because you're signaling like this is so valuable that we're going to pay you for it, mm-hmm. and it starts to permeate through the company culture. Yeah, we um, 
few years ago, we started just doing three minute meditations at the start of meetings to get things going. That's, that's super helpful. And the, the, the rant, oh my gosh, five minutes. I'm just going to take five. I like that idea. I'm going to take five. Well, and the the hack for me has been, I'm going to take, I'll, I'll ask somebody, Hey, I'm going to take five minutes to bitch complain bonus points. If you'll give me physical touch while I'm doing it to help me regulate my nervous system. And then inside myself, what I'm looking for is where is the place that I can access my power more or what's the action I can take. So I'll set a timer for five minutes. Can I get some physical touch to regulate while I bitch and moan here? And at some point I'm going to say somewhere, I go, Oh, I just noticed, I just noticed the thing, the little driver that I can shift, the little light switch that I can change. Here's how I can do something differently. So I'm doing it in service of getting clarity on some kind of Mm. action I can take or some type of awareness that helps me drop deeper into acceptance. But there's actually a, a deeper functionality to it as well, which is it makes something possible. And good luck filling up five minutes with anger. Yeah. For most people, if you truly surrender into it, you will not be able to maintain five minutes of like rage. Meaning you're gonna, you'll, it's not gonna go as long. Yeah, you'll peter out, or you'll go, you'll go into ecstasy, or grief, or grief, or um, yeah, some kind of massive release. Yeah, I'm loving this. So, what I feel like is that we're gonna need another episode together. How is that lining? That's good. I I need to I need to get home to my babies. I know you do. So before we go, I would love for you to expand a bit more on how do you support the world right now or like what's the mission you're pursuing and how can people reach out? How can people be of support to people who have been resonating with this? Maybe even just on the note we ended of a rant and they're like, I need that in my company. Can Jordan help me (laughs) put in ranting systems in my company? So that again, people can just, if they feel called, reach out. Um, Yeah. Yeah, great. Jam. The, the place that uh, people should go for most of this stuff is Relateful.com. The Relateful company is my jam and we do relatefulness. It's presence in relationship is the simplest way to say it. There's tons of stuff there. There's um, the, the biggest, the, the most cool on-ramp for most people is there's just sessions every single day online where we're just practicing live with other real human beings practicing live. They're facilitated sessions seven or eight times a day online, also in Austin, Texas, in person. And there's tons of stuff beyond that, in-person weekends, leadership trainings, courses, all that. Um, in terms of the other stuff, I there's nothing yet to to like show the world. The way that so so I think that supports the world in, in basically helping people become essentially more of who they really are uh, and get better at relating, get better at, at being honest and being empathetic. And, and both are actually really important. We, we, what we're aimed at is truth and love. Um, the, the way that mi- that mission is kind of evolving in me is I'm now trying to take that into the, the social media systems online. So baking, essentially you could think this came to me while we were talking and deliver, deliberately developmental media mm. instead of social media. Mm. Um, yeah, boom. So that, that's how do you guys support us? Um, right now it's called Uptrust and when it comes out, we we don't have anything public yet and it'll be quite a while, but when it comes out, I would love anyone listening to this to, um, really give it a fair shot and, and try to support us in using the platform in, um, giving us feedback where it doesn't work for you and, and hyping it up. Because I think if we, 
together can basically make media something that brings out the best of human nature instead of what currently brings out the worst of human nature, mm -hmm. it'll be a huge leap forward in consciousness mm -hmm. in, in that practical doer grounded way that you're talking about. Yeah. So yeah, I would love you all's support. I'm, I'm glad you asked. I wouldn't have even thought to ask for this to just use the platform and share it and, and love it, fall in love with it. And if you don't help us make it something that you can fall in love with that supports you all that in the show notes so awesome i love that forest how can be people of support how can they get your support if they are awaken and now freaking going down into some sort of rabbit hole maybe when they're like i don't know <laughs> i don't know how to using your language integrate in this 3d reality anymore and what's the point of doing so and help <laughs> so yeah. you might be the guy there yeah for sure I'd also love to have a moment to do some appreciations or acknowledgements after after this, if you're open to it. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. So the there's a bunch of stuff I can send you to. So um, if you go to ouremergingfuture.com, that's a good place to plug into the larger ecosystem. There you'll find our incubator for consciousness, our transpersonal incubator for people who are embodied examples of the emerging economy, who are bringing the 5D into the 3D to... Mm -hmm. to use this language. And so if people are feeling like call to call to emerge new, as I said, social fabrics, institutions, cultures, technologies, things like exactly what Jordan is doing with both uh, Relayful and, and Uptrust, uh, th this is a home for you. So we have our Foundations of Being program, which is a 101-day program that supports people deepening into well-being and accessing that organic innateness from which our calling or um, thing we can't not be our choiceless path emerges from. And that gives way to the incubator. We have a six month incubator program for what did I call them? Trans transpersonal entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs on the mystical path. And also our practitioner training program. Also highly recommend Jordan's things that for me, there's not enough people doing, there can't be enough people doing this work in the world. So I, mm -hmm. I also send you to Jordan into the relayful company and, yeah. um, and there's other there's other ones too. So there's a, a year long program with Kim Barda that's called Shadow and Light for people who want to do a deep healing dive and awakening journey. Uh, we can send you to Stefan Segatori who has WeFlow for organizations that want to bring more flow and and uh, we space based uh, interpersonal practices into their organizations. Um, and what else? Yeah, I mean, we're we're working on our own. We have two softwares we're building right now. We have a, a, a hub that we're going to have the next six months in 2024. Is that the year? Yes, sir. So like if anyone wants to come have a lived-in experience being around, being in a field like this and and accessing their generativity and, and essence and that, again, that organic life force we were talking about, that's that's available to you as well. So on social media, I'm Forrest B. Wilson, Forrest with two R's, B. Wilson on everything, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, ForrestBWilson.com. My podcast is the Forrest Wilson Experience. So there's at least 30 Stealing resources. that from Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan Experience. <laughs> <laughs> are, are, are we having you on social? I know you're on LinkedIn and we'll link LinkedIn below though. Oh yeah. Um, are we going to wait for this new social to emerge and then you're going to be the there. new social? No, I mean, I'm, I'm there. Uh, the best, the, actually the best thing actually is to sign up for my email list. The mm. three things Thursdays on relatable.com. 
Um, I, I am technically on all the social medias, like, um, but I just don't use them. I, 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 I use Facebook to promote events. Mm-hmm. It's great. You can go and it's all through the Relateful company. So if you yeah. search Relateful, there's, there's cool stuff on our Instagram. There's, um, cool stuff on YouTube and, and more stuff coming. But the, right now where a lot of my energy is like every, every week I write three things that are interesting to me and, um, try to share something meaningful with people deep in something. I also just want to put up one plug specifically to people who are financially well-resourced. I know you and I have been meeting more and more people who have like a heart of gold and also quite a bit of financial resources, but if anybody's checking this out and, and you have uh, an abundance of financial resources and you want to invest in people who are birthing the future and bringing about new ways of being in service of creating the most good for the most number of people, please email me, call me, text me, reach out. Cause I've got, uh, uh, pipelines that you can put that money into that are going to be, in my opinion, the best use of your money that you could possibly, the, be- the best way you could spend your money right now if you care about creating a more beautiful world. So I just want to specifically plug that if uh, if anyone's listening to this and wants to invest in a, in a more beautiful f- more beautiful future, more beautiful now. And I kind of want to like boost your credibility. Like you already have investors that are on board. And I think that matters, you know, especially in the investing world. Yeah, And you do too. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. So money for me to bring your manifestation question, money's for me the and money's the energy of manifestation. So the more money that uh comes to us, you know, the more good we can create, the more the more beauty we can manifest together. True. We should probably do a whole episode on like money trauma though. This this resonates too. <laughs> money <laughs> money uh, trauma. Money re- money, <laughs> money, money, money resonance. <laughs> Yeah, you run into the same problem if you just substitute one word, but yeah, exactly. People have all sorts of weird beliefs about money that are worth digging into for sure. 100%. Including me. Including me. Yeah. So can we do a few, can I appreciate you both? Are you all open to being appreciated? Is that okay? Hell yeah. Uh, Vinny, I want to appreciate you. Thank you for having us on your show. and uh, you for being here. For your questions. And I appreciate your... What your spirit and your luminosity and uh, what I experience is just insatiable curiosity. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So mm-hmm. thank you so much for having us and, and for pleasure. interviewing us. I really appreciate you. And uh, Jordan, man, I feel so much. I feel a very unique love for you. I've really been feeling that this week hanging out. I just see so much of the best in me when I hang out with you, mirrored back to me. Um, getting to see it in the interpersonal space and our friendship getting to see it in the professional context with all the beautiful stuff you're building and also being at your home last night with your wife and your kids, getting to see you in the role as father and, and husband. And I just, um, yeah, I just find you so tremendous and so, like just such a freaking gift, man. Mm. Um, I've so enjoyed hanging out and um, yeah, I feel more playful and alive and expansive and generative and just like fuck yes to life being around you, man. Thanks for being you. I appreciate you. Very, very welcome. So good. Also, just, I mean, I love this conversation because I think it's super important to be bringing all these concepts down to a more practical level that people can digest. Because so many people are in a path of breaking out of the 3D, breaking out of like, who am I? Why am I? Where am I? What's the point if there is one? And personally found this conversation quite just very 
as much as it can be like practical and like mm. making sense rather than just floating around and being woo and you're like listen oh. to this hour or something and I still have no freaking direction. <laughs> so this was awesome and would love for everyone to let us know in the comments how did this resonate? What are you taking away? What are you interested in exploring more? Just join us on this journey. So yeah. Appreciate you both for coming on. 100% feel like there needs to be a part two. <laughs> so whether it's in Austin or honestly any other city in the world, happy to be there. Well, we have newborns in the house, so might have to be Austin <laughs> until they're, you know, big enough to travel. So yeah, let's do a part two. Appreciate you both. And we're going to see you in the next episode.